passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another episode of Cruel Summer, our look back at each and every G1 Climax Tournament Finals from the year 1991 to the year 2018. And uh, this is episode 16, so we're going to be covering uh, 2006, which features Hiroyoshi Tenzan versus Satoshi Kojima, a battle of former partners, a battle of... top line stars in two respective companies, New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, I'm very excited about today's co-host. He is, uh, I like to talk about this man as my gateway into the world of Japanese pro wrestling, of tape trading and the such. He he provided me with my very first mixtape of seventh generation footage by that point. (laughs) Exactly. uh, And uh, he is, uh, as you can can probably guess who he is just from the laugh alone, he is the man, the legend, the mouth, Dan the Mouth Lebransky. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing great, WH. Yeah, great to be here. This is an awesome idea that you're doing here, running through all the old G1s like this. And it still blows my mind because... At the time, I didn't realize that I was the one that introduced you to Japanese pro wrestling from showing the tapes at O'Grady's after we would watch Raw. I thought you were already a fan. Uh, For some reason, I thought you were already a fan even when we were watching those. So it wasn't until years later that you told me that, and uh, uh, I was amazed, and that's so great. Do you still have the first tape that you got from me? Uh, Yes. Well, yeah, it's like, what is it, Dr. Mouse mixtape? Stiff history of Japan. Yeah, yeah. But no, like I was a fan already, but you were the person who introduced me to tape trading. Okay, gotcha. Okay. You know, like, like, and like, I was like more. I would say you really introduced me more to all Japan because I was right. very familiar with New Japan at the time due to their relationship with uh, WCW at the time. Yes, um, yes, right. And right. I and I saw footage here and there for from that relationship, but it wasn't until I got my first tape from you that I was like being introduced to like. Misawa, Kawada, yeah, Kobashi. Kobashi. Yeah, Michael. right. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're, I like to say you're my, like, my gateway drug dealer. It's a, All right. It's a That's it. <laughs> I love it. I so love it. So I, I got to say, like, we're, we've known each other, I think, since 98 or 99. So we've known each other well, yeah. over 20 years. It would be, yeah, it would be since the, you know, the Attitude Era, basically. Yeah, absolutely. We've known each other a, a, a super long time. Yeah. And it was at the O'Grady's parties where you and, and Jeff Merrick would host the, the Monday night viewing parties for the Monday night wars during the, that, that period of the WBF, WBE, and, and WCW. It was really fun. I got to meet you. We would talk Japanese wrestling. I'd listen to the law at that point. I, I think the first time I was like blown away was like I heard two guys on a Canadian wrestling radio show talk about, mention the name Kenta Kobashi. I'm like, what? Wait. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, but that's the thing, though, because that stuff was so captivating. I mean, I I got into a lot of that stuff because I was already reading the Wrestling Observer. And at that point in time, Dave Meltzer would do reviews of the television shows for both New Japan and All Japan. And I would read his reviews every month. And they would, every match, he'd be given it three stars, four stars. And they're like, just on television. I'm like, I'm like, this stuff is amazing. I have to see this. And I actually found a place here in Toronto um, uh, that had that, that actually had somebody taping the Japanese shows and sending the tapes over here and they would rent them out to you. So once I discovered this place, all of a sudden I could see these matches. And as soon as I saw guys like Kobashi and Misawa and Kawada, it's like, 
it was like an entirely different world. It was, you know, it was just so different, so hard hitting, so, you know, stiff and just, it, and, and so exciting yet in the most basic of ways, there was really no big spectacular showmanship and pyro and all that kind of stuff. And you really weren't seeing the guys doing promos and that kind of stuff. And if they did, they were in Japanese. So I didn't understand them anyways, but the intensity of the matches and how well they worked together and how excited the crowd would get. And also the Japanese announcers, I still prefer to listen to Japanese wrestling with the Japanese announcers. There's just something about their intensity and energy that to this day, Kevin Kelly's great. Rocky Romero is great. Excalibur is great. Uh, Don Callis is not so great, but um, th- those guys can't hold a candle to the to w- the uh, excitement the Japanese wrestlers can be- bring. So yeah, it was it was like it really is like a whole new world when you discover it at that point because it's nothing like it was at that you know nothing like North American wrestling at the time. Yeah, I mean to your comment about the the commentary, I I think the English commentary team on New Japan World does a great job, but for for my taste, it's like. I prefer the Japanese wrestling, the Japanese commentary like yourself, because I, I would say to someone, if you're going to watch like a, a Hong Kong action film, do you want to watch it dubbed or do you want to watch it with subtitles and you hear the actual actors' voices? And that's, to me, gives it more authenticity. So I, I think, mm-hmm. I think just for my own taste, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone who wants to listen to the English commentary because they do. Oh, that. no. And neither do, and neither do I. And, and lately I have, been, I have been doing it more often. But it's just, I think for me, that that to me was such an integral part of the product. Like it wasn't the same without listening to the Japanese um, announcers. And I, and I just always, and I think because I had watched it for so long, by the time they finally got to the point where they were doing things providing regular English commentary, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to these guys. I want the, I I just love the intensity and you know, it just, yeah, those guys just never get the, get to that level. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think, you know, like I would, I, if I'm watching Lucha, I want to hear Spanish commentary. If I'm watching right. Japanese. That's, that's a good comparison. You know what? That's a good comparison. Cause again, the emotion and the intensity of the commentators. Yeah, I just watched um, a Laredo Kids match with uh, Vikingo the other day, and I, I again the you know Hugo there in Spanish. He's just amazing. He sounds his intensity level is great. He always makes it sound exciting. Yeah, it's it's a to just you know this like if if I'm watching you know like american wrestling i i, I want to hear american voices <laughs> you know so that's that's my thing but anyways we should we should talk a bit about i do want to before we get to the actual tournament i do want to talk about like we talked about that i've known you for for like over 20 years now and i first discovered you on live audio wrestling which you were doing with jeff merrick at the time and and then you know various iterations you would you move on to do that with jason agnew and then like john way would be part of that doing call screening and then you know uh, doing you know content yeah we became one it was like one big happy family for sure yeah and then now and now with the dissolution of the of, of the law you you've moved on to doing a, a show called sunday night's mid event with with jason agnew still yeah which is cool yeah yeah and yeah we're still in the in the classic spot we always had you know sunday nights at 11 o'clock um we're here in the toronto area we broadcast out of tsn um 11 in uh, hamilton and uh, yeah, and we also have our own Patreon thing like John and Way do, and we have extra added the podcast that we do. In fact, I'm doing a new podcast based around AEW because there's so much talk about that product and frankly really excites me to see what those guys are doing and the approach that they seem to be taking. So we offer that. Jay does an extra podcast during the week as well. So yeah, it's um it's you know, it's still going. It's wrestling's that it's wrestling's like Hotel California, right? You know that. You check in, you're never leaving, you know. No, I, I try to check out, but it's like, ah, oh, this is good. I I gotta stay in. Can't happen. And I, so that's it. So it's I, like I, an, I it's like a nasty tick in your blood. It's it's a disease, man. It's there till the end. So I'm gonna let you plug all the like the the the, the website like the websites of Patreon oh. at the at the end of the show. No problem. Like I'm glad we mentioned it now. We'll we'll plug it all at the end as well. Okay, uh, that sounds like, good. You know, like the the websites and everything. But I do I do want to say that it's amazing that there's still a wrestling radio show that's on the radio and not just a podcast. 
Yeah, that, that's it, man. I mean, Jason, Jay, and I have managed to kind of hold it together, and it, it, it works out. It works out really well, and we're we're actually trying to get it syndicated to some other stations. So we're hoping some other stations in Canada, at least in Canada, are going to pick it up. So you never know. You never yeah, know. Yeah. Well, you know, people want to hear more more Dan the Mouthful Vransky along with Jason Agnew. Please, like, you know, you know, contact your local radio station and like get get try to get Sunday Night's Man event on syndicated yes. in your city. Yeah. But let's let's go to the 2006 uh you know G1 climax here. Uh it features uh two I I think two safe to say two of your favorite wrestlers Dan, Hiroyoshi Tenzin yes. and Satoshi Kojima. Yeah, um when you first approached me for this, I I can't remember if a bunch of the dates were already picked or I think I wasn't even sure because I think you picked this, didn't you? I I think yeah because I I had to go through a list, not not to you know not to bury you or anything. It's like I I had like the okay I I need these guys, like I need to secure these people to for me to really make it work and then like go down and I think by the time I got to you because I can't contact everyone at the same time. Uh, you, you, there was like, yeah, a bunch of you... the ones were already gone. A bunch of the, I think different dates were already gone. And I think I just left it up to you, but this is, this was a great pick. I'm very happy that you picked this year. Cause you're right. I've always loved Kojima and Tenzan, uh, back from watching them in the nineties when I first got into new Japan, when they used to tag together all the time. And then of course, you know, they were part of the NWO Japan faction with Chono and, and stuff. And I, I always thought they worked, um, great as a tag team so it was great to see them in this match the, 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 yeah I, I thought it was amazing great pick a very good pick well I'm, I'm glad you liked it um as as you said their former tag partners they you know depending on who you asked they, their team name was either called Tenkozy or or Tenkoji but they were probably the the one of the if the best if not the best you know IWGP tag team champions in the history of of yeah. Japan. Well, they were they were very they were very dominant. Like they had that there's a chunk there in the '90s where they were all, they're pretty well the top team in the promotion. I think they were also like legit draws on their own because mm. they were such a, like uh, they were established team just those two together, and then mm-hmm. they would they would have like all this tandem offense and they would have like, they had like the 3d was essentially their yes. finisher. Yes. Yep. Uh, yep. So I, I think people really latched on to like, this is an established team, which is not two guys cobbled together that might team for right. like, six months, but they stuck That's together. Very true. For, for That's years. very true. That I was thinking about that today. Actually, it was funny that uh, I, while I was watching the singles match, I actually thought of that today. I thought, these were the guys that really gave you that impression that they were a legit team. They weren't two guys just thrown together because they had nothing else to do with them. You felt like they were a team. And and like I said, for the longest period, you always saw them together. They were very rarely in singles matches. They were always in, in, in the tag thing. And I, I thought that exa- always added to their credibility huge. You you bought them as a team, which is it's, that's it seems hard to do that nowadays. There's very few teams where you buy them as a team, you know, you think, because so many of them are just thrown together. Well, I, especially in New Japan, where I feel like the tag division is very, very weak, which is ironic <laughs> considering that the booker is Ghetto, who is famous. Was a tag team famous. guy, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really ironic. Um, so at this point, they're not partners anymore, obviously, I, I, because primarily Kojima had jumped to all Japan with Keiji Muto yes. in 2002. And, and five years later, he's making a return to new Japan to wrestle as the enemy of new Japan as the, you know, the top star of all Japan pro wrestling at this time. And right. Tenzan is the defender of new Japan's honor, new Japan's integrity, new Japan's like, you know, like philosophy against this, this upstart who left and he's representing King's road style and Tenzan's representing strong style. So it's, it's this just, Tons of layers. They're former partners. They represent two different wrestling companies, different wrestling philosophies. So it's, there's a lot built in here. And you know what? And you're right. But when you think about it, look at how simple it all is, too, at the same time. Like, these are very simple storylines. I left. I've come back. You know, I'm, I, was, I was almost like a traitor. And now i am come back as the champion of another company. And I'm going to have to defend against my former partner. It's all brilliant. It's so dramatic. It's so intense. It's very easy to get behind. And the thing that blows my mind, it really, it's its simple. It's all just stretching the truth and playing with things 
a little bit. Like I just, yeah, that's the thing that always blows my mind about so much of his booking is it's just, it's so, it's so basic and just makes such great, simple sense out of basically just using reality and just stretching it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we got to talk about a bit about Hiroyoshi Tenzon. So this is 2007. This is his fourth time in the finals. And I think around yeah. this point, he kind of usurps the Mr. G1, Mr. August title. Yeah, from, Chono. Yeah, right. Chono. So uh, so pr- previously, he made the finals in 1997, 2003, 2004, and 2006. So pretty much the G1 is now synonymous, especially for maybe newer fans with Tenzan more so than with with Chono, so it's, well, it's and he and doesn't he wins it again after this, doesn't he? Uh, I'd have to check my notes, but I'm I, pretty sure that doesn't he win again? I, or was I, that the final year that he won? It might have been the final year he won because, like, <laughs> from 2007 is like kind of the age of Nakamura and Tanahashi, and yeah, people like Mike I guess it's well. just the idea that they would always they would you know they would put him in there every once in a while, right? Like he was in there in 2012, you know. He always, yeah. I guess he was in there 2013. I thought there was another year where he won, but yeah, you know what? You're right. I don't think he did. I think this is when they're like scaling back, like him and Nagata and and uh, Nakanishi mm-hmm. and people like mm-hmm. that, and, and yeah, really pushing Tanahashi especially. Yes, that's it. Tanahashi was in this one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So let's let's talk about the the format. It's a it's a two block ten man round robin tournament held from August 6th to 13th. And I have to say, Dan, like, you know, it's amazing. When you look back at, like, even, like, 2007, we're at 2019 now. Now it's a 20-man tournament. Now it's, like, like a four-week, almost <laughs> one-month-long <laughs> Extravaganza. It's huge. It's huge. Hey, could you imagine? Because you were watching G1s as they were happening each year. Like, could you? did you ever envision a point where we'd become a 20-person tournament no. covering no. an entire month? No, definitely not. No, def- no, that, that that's crazy. I'm surprised it's as big as it is nowadays. But, you know, the, if you think of it, though, the last few years, there's been some dynamite tournaments. Like, you can't say it's um, worn out or dead or whatever. I mean, some of the past few years have been some of the best tournaments. Yeah, for sure. I, I And as of this recording, we were just like a week out from the announcements of all the names for the 2019 G1 Climax. And uh, are there any names from this year's tournament that stand out for you? Uh, let me just let me just refresh my brain quickly here. Uh, let's see. Well, I- Ibushi will be great. Uh, I mean, Kenta. Let's see what Ke- I'm so stoked with, uh, you know, the whole Kenta thing, right? So... I think he's going to, I mean, you got Osprey and Zack Sabre. Like, I mean, it's, you know, we got Jeff Cobb in this year, which is pretty amazing. I, I, I expect that he gets a fairly good push. To me, Jeff Jeff Cobb's got Japanese written all over him. Like, he just totally fits in with that whole thing. Of course, Ishii is in there. My, I'm Ishii's greatest fan. I think he's totally amazing. Uh, Juice Robinson, JY, Takagi. And of course, you have to have Yano in there for some comic relief. But overall, it's pretty packed, man. It, you got some pretty high-end talent in here. What do you think about John Moxley in New Japan and and participating in the this year's? Uh... Why, why not, man? Why not? I think it's amazing. It freshens things up. He's got a whole new spark. Obviously, um, I'm sure you heard the interview he did with Jericho. I, you know, it's just so great to see this guy get the chances and get to kind of do things the way he wants and get to perform in these, these situations. Um, I think, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, he's obviously not going to win or anything like that, but I think, I think they'll still give him a fairly strong performance. I, I don't think he's losing to anyone who's not a top star. I don't think he's losing to Yano or whoever's in, right. I don't know. I don't no, know who's no, in his block. No, of course not. no, like anyone who's a mid Carter, he's not losing to them. He's, Probably no. gonna lose to like your your Okadas, your Tanahashi's, those exactly those sure. guys. So yeah, yeah. So but course. but moving back to 2006, I was I think I said 2007 earlier. We're at 2006. <laughs> uh, in the A block, we have Satoshi Kojima, Giant Bernard, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Manabu Nakanishi. In the B block, Hiroshi Tenzan, Koji Kanemoto, Yuji Nagata. 
Togi Makabe and Naofumi Yamamoto, who is, of course, now known as Yoshitatsu. And what's interesting right. for me is the inclusion of two junior heavyweights in the A block in Roger yes. and in Kanemoto in the B block here, Dan. Yeah, Kanemoto for sure. Hey, that's a that's a very uh, strange pick to me to see him in a tournament like this. Is this... I mean, I don't know the history off the top of my head. I, I wonder, was is this his only appearance ever in a G1? Kanemoto... I yeah. believe so. They gave him a huge push because, like, as I'll say, like they had. Well, he, yeah, he was in almost like second place in the B block, right? Yeah, he went to the semifinals against yeah. Kojima. Yeah, you know? so like, right, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, and and yeah, so we talk about like, could, like, but this is not the first time they used juniors because Liger's been in this mm-hmm. before. Oh like, no, Minoru Tanaka was in this. Tatsuhiro Takaiwa was in the G one previous years, so it's it's now that they don't. They don't do it so much with juniors. Like I don't consider Osprey and Shingo to be like true juniors because of their build and their height. Uh, especially right. like Osprey, he's he's tall enough to be a heavyweight. And right. like like if you're gonna say Zack Saber Junior is a heavyweight, you can say Osprey is a heavyweight as well. You know. And, I think and I and those, I think they want those guys in the top picture, right? I don't think they want people thinking of those guys as junior heavyweights. No, I mean they're they they classify themselves still as junior heavyweights, but who can fight? who can go toe-to-toe with mm-hmm. heavyweights. So it's, it's a really good dynamic. I think it makes the company more interesting. But let's let's talk about uh, Kojima, his path to the finals. He beats in the round-robin portion of the tournament. He beats Liger, he beats Nakanishi, and he beats Tanahashi, and he goes to a draw with Giant Bernard. Tenzan's path is very simple. He runs the table. He beats. He, he does. He beats pretty well everybody, right? Yes, he beats everyone uh, with yeah. the Anaconda Vice, the... Tenzan Tombstone Driver and the Moonsault Presso. In a previous tournament, he beat everyone with the Anaconda Vice because they were really getting that move over as his mm-hmm, right. deadly finisher. But this this year, they thought we're gonna give you a multiple number of finishers that can that can make the crowd believe that the match could end, which I think is much smarter. Oh, it's totally smart because you're never quite sure, right? Because you know that's one of the finishers, but will it be enough in this particular match? And it's uh, it's great. That's actually something that um, I can see AEW is going to adapt things like that. I think they're going to have these kind of various degrees with guys with, and guys will have multiple finishers. I think that's something that we're going to see in, in in that promotion that they're going to take away from. Uh, Something like this, because that was one of the things I always thought was cool with most of the stuff in both all Japan and New Japan. When I first started watching was that that you mostly everybody like Liger, Liger had two or three finishes. I always thought that was really cool. So you're it's not it doesn't make everything so predictable when you're like, okay, there's the there's that tombstone pile driver from Undertaker. Well, I guess that's about it. Then, you know. (laughs) <laughs> but little, unless, little you're, unless you're Shawn Michaels and you get to kick out of that several times. Wow, yeah, <laughs> of course. Or you're like Goldberg and you almost kill each other, but whatever, you know, whatever. Moving to take the... that Saudi, Take that Saudi money and run. Okay, well, sorry. We'll, we'll not talk about WB blood money <laughs> today <laughs> on this episode. Uh, so as sorry. I said, uh, no, 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 no problem. Kojima beat Kanemoto in the semifinals with his big lariat, one of his big finishers. Uh, Tenzon beat Giant Bernard in the semifinals with the Anaconda Vice. And so that brings us, Dan, to Tenzan versus Kojima in the G1 Climax Finals, held on August 13th, 2006 in uh, Ryogoku Sumo Hall. And we start the video on New Japan World, and uh, Kojima is representing All Japan, as I said before. And he yep. gets a loud chorus of boos from the New Japan faithful in Sumo Hall. Uh, Tenzan is announced. Of course, he's through and through New Japan uh, and so he gets the big cheers and, and calls for his name, Tenzan, Tenzan, Tenzan. So this crowd is super hyped at the start of this match, Dan. Oh, yeah. That's that's why. And and these guys, like, they and they do a great job of building this match and building the crowd. So by the end, I mean, you think the crowd's excited at the beginning. By the end of this match, the crowd is literally going ballistic by the end of this match. It's amazing the way they work the crowd in this. We get a shot of Masahiro Chono, who's doing commentary, which is kind of like always. his his go to now. Is like he's always brought in for the finals of the G One. Always, always, exactly. You always see him doing the commentary on the G One. Yep. So uh, the match starts with a kind of feeling out process between these two former partners, and the first big move is actually, ironically enough, the the STF Chono's move, which Kojima actually applies on 
Tenzon, it's kind of a dick move he's doing here. Uh, <laughs> Tenzon is able to to reach the rope, so he breaks a hold. Uh, and so, like, Kojima right off, getting some heel heat. He's using, you know, the legend Masahiro Chono's move against Masahiro Chono's apprentice in Tenzon. Right, so, right. And, and how dare this All Japan guy now use, like, one of our legendary signature moves against our, you know, top guy in this company. So, brilliant stuff from Kojima it right is, off the bat. It is. The thing that I love so much about this match, and that's a great example right there, of how there's this amazing storytelling that's being done, not with words, but with these physical actions and these things like you're talking about, using the Chono's move. And just, I just found the storytelling of a physical nature absolutely amazing in this match. Like the two guys really did a good job of getting stuff over like that stuff. And then, and then other stuff, you know, like Kojima using the Anaconda vice and, you know, it just, they just did such a great job. And, you know, Kojima tries to wrestle more. Tenzan wants to do power moves and the kind of how they battle back and forth with that kind of stuff. Like, I just thought the storytelling in the match was really, really good. Yeah. So from there we go to a, a chest slap exchange and then uh tenzan gains the advantage obviously with his mongolian chops his signature moves there yes the uh, double chop the yep. double chops and everyone goes does the like the you know the, the kind of the whistling move sound in yep. the crowd yep. uh let's where are we so uh kojima gets his control back of the match with his big chops that he you know he's kind of like i always felt like he's kind of like his favorite wrestler must have been kenta kobashi because his modern <laughs> yeah, offense is they taken are. from Kobashi. So, yes, like the chops yes, and the lariats and stuff. So, it's true. Uh, from there, Kojima does his running forearm smash into the corner and then he throws Tenzon to the ground. At this point, he does his call. You know what the call is, Dan? You know, where he like points his finger and the crowd yells. Yes. The yes. thing. It's like, it, it's called, uh, so he, what he's yelling is Ichazo Bakayaro, which, do you know the translation of that, Dan? No, no. So, Ichazo means kind of like, means like, let's go. And Bakayaro is Japanese for, 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 uh, can be like different iterations. In this case, it's idiot. So he's basically saying oh. to all the opponents, "Let's go, <laughs> let's go, idiot." So all the fans are saying to you know Kojima's opponents every match is, "Let's go, idiot." <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. Big that's awesome. Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, but he doesn't do it in this match because he's the heel and he doesn't want the crowd chanting with that's him. That's right. So, right. Right. Again, from Kojima here, uh, Tenzon catches Kojima on the top rope and hits him with a big superplex, but Kojima just pops right up. And, he but, did. He didn't sell it at all. I thought that was fantastic. He did not sell it at all. He didn't sell it, but then Kojima, uh, the Tenzan's like, fuck you, hits it with yeah. a good clothesline, and he goes down yeah. definitely from that. Uh, yeah. uh, Tenzan, works, Tenzan works over uh, Kojima's right arm with a sort of arm bar to take away Kojima's uh, lariat, which is like his big offensive moves, which is, that, again, yeah. smart that, move on, on Tenzan's part. And, and that plays into the match later on too, near the, the the kind of the finishing sequence of the match. They go back to him working on Kojima's arm. Yeah. Uh, at some point, uh, Kojima goes for a plancha to the outside because Tenzan's already out there. But I, I guess Tenzan moved out of the way, but I couldn't see because of all the photographers blocking mm-hmm, the of camera course. view. I was like, Where <laughs> of course. what happened? I, I don't. I don't need to get out of the way. I mean, that's a kind of a hallmark of Japanese pro wrestling is it photographers is. at ringside. Yeah. Um, uh, Kojima suplexes Tenzon on the thin blue mats on the floor, and he follows up with an apron DDT. Uh, Tenzon is able to get back in and Kojima into the ring, and Kojima just says, "Fuck you!" Close eyes, close him right back out again. Yes. And yes. then uh, Kojima follows up with a sloppy-looking power pad that I was a little worried about. And then yeah. uh, a top rope there's, elbow. There's a, there's a couple spots where they kind of are sloppy, but they're they're minimal, man. I mean, they're minimal. They did a great job. Well, I, I don't have a problem with, like, sloppy-looking. I, I, you know, we quote-unquote sloppy-looking. I think it makes a match look more realistic. That's true, actually, you know, because you you realize, hey, he couldn't do what he wanted to do there, right? It's It's legit, yeah, for sure. So from the power bomb, uh, Kojima does a top rope elbow for a two count. It's it's not we're not at that point of the match where I call the crescendo. We're 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 kind of still building up towards that. Uh, in a, a dick move again from Kojima, he slaps on the anaconda vice yes, onto, exactly. onto Tenzan. What an exactly. asshole! 
I love it. I love it. I, when he did that, I thought that was awesome. That was one of my favorite parts in the match. Yeah, Tenzan is able to grab the ropes, but, you know, Kojima is taking his sweet-ass time to break the hold, so just, just the crowd's really getting on his case and, like, really hating him at this point. Um, Tenzan is uh, is able to rally back, and he hits a mountain bomb on Kojima, and then his one of his another one of his signature moves, the spinning heel kick, and then he gives him two Saito suplexes, but only gets a two-count on Kojima. He hits the uh, the Tenzan Tombstone Driver, the TTD, but only gets a two. It goes for a big diving headbutt, only a two. So he's yep. breaking out all the big moves. All the Kojima, big moves, yep. yep. He can't put him, his former partner away. I think they just know each other too well, Dan. Yeah, oh, well, that's, 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 the, that's the classic storyline in a tag team breakup, right? That uh, it's really tough because they both, they've been working together with each other for so long. Makes, makes sense. WH, it makes sense. I love it. It makes sense. It's great. Uh, from here, Tenzon locks on his version of the Anaconda Vites, the, the true version, but Kojima is able to reach the ropes. But uh, Kojima blocks a lariat attempt from Tenzon and hits the cozy cutter, which is basically the, the diamond cutter. Uh, on 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 Tenzan, uh, uh, Kojima hits a top rope Frankensteiner, which I was blown away by because I can't ever recall <laughs> if he did this regularly. Which to no, my no, he did. I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's like it's the G one climax. It's a, it's the finals. I'm in Sumo Hall. There's a hot crowd. I gotta bust out everything in my repertoire. Uh, he he signals for the lariat, but uh, Tenzan ducks and hits the Anaconda Buster. So it's basically the the Anaconda Buster is. The Anaconda Vice hold, but he's they're standing, and then he lifts up his opponent and drops him onto, drops him, onto right. the mat with like a kind of a side slam, like a boss man slam, right? Kind of. Right. Uh, and that only gets a two count at this point. This is and this is one of his big moves as well. So like the crowd's just like starting to really get r- it's, rising it's up. It's such here. an essential part of the story, right? That it's the the guy that was here who left for the rival company, and now he's come back. So it really makes sense. Like, a lot of times when you watch matches, sometimes I think NXT is guilty of this. They'll have a long match, and they'll get into the near falls and the finishes. And after a point, it just gets too far. You're like, okay, this should have ended, like, 10 minutes ago. Too many of these. But in this one, it works to the story so well because that's the whole thing, right? It's like, i got to stop this guy. I'm pulling out every move that I've got. And he's pulling out every move that he's got. And it, it makes a lot more sense, where sometimes in NXT, I think, they just do that because they feel that's what the fans want to see, not because it's necessarily the best thing for the match. Well, what I think is interesting about this particular match is like the crowd is not necessarily hot right out. Like they're hot out of the gate, then the match starts but, and they're and they're simmering. Then now. they cool down. Yeah, they yeah. cool down. But they do the last ten minutes. They do an amazing job of bringing the crowd like just in, to an insane level. Yeah, from here we get the another Anaconda Vice Temp. Uh, Kojima powers up, but. Uh, Tenzan hits another Anaconda Buster back into the Anaconda Vice. And this is the point where the crowd is super, super hot and they're sustained for the rest of the match. The the level of excitement that they're having for this match. Uh, Kojima uh, rakes the eyes to escape. What an asshole. Uh, Tenzan signals for another TTD. Uh, Kojima blocks and hits his Cozy Cutter Dynamite, which is his version of uh, Misahara Masawa's Emerald Flosion move. And he gets a very close... Yeah, two and three quarters on on this move, uh, Dan. So it's it's interesting because at this point, like Kojima's like really kind of taking moves from other promotions, other big stars, but he's making his them his own, and he's able to like really craft like his own set of signature finishers, including like this is kind of like one of his more like his danger moves, like mm. that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. his mega finisher, but it doesn't get the the two on Tenzon, the three count on Tenzon. So it's really really exciting at this point. Uh, Kojima sets up, uh, gets up first and hits his uh, big lariat for a two and three quarter. The crowd is electric. Kojima hits another lariat for another yeah, two. Yeah, two in a row. Yeah, two in a, two row. in a row. It's great. I love stuff like this. Uh, Tenzon blocks the third lariat with a big yeah. chop. And then he just he goes like, nuts, attacks his arm at that point. Oh, it was so brilliant. It, like, it's so well done here in this final sequence. Just unbelievable. Yeah, he like you're saying, he goes crazy on him with the, all these chops and even headbutts. Well, it's nuts. It's like, punch. yeah, he, he headbutts his arm. He headbutts his arm. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And talk about a safe way of using a headbutt. Like, that's the other thing about this match that blows my mind is that it's super intense, emotional. We're talking about how wound up the crowd is. But in terms of dangerous stuff, 
there's very little in this match that's actually dangerous. And I just thought it was such a great compliment to both these guys to have this stiff, intense, emotional match, yet not do anything really outrageous in it. Yeah, from here, uh, you know, like uh, Tenzan uh, drops Kojima for a, with a slam, and then he goes for a Mudo-style moonsault. Moonsaults, two of them. He gives, he gets two of these as well, and both of those are uh, Kojima kicks out. Like you know, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, and then he you know he can't finish him off with the moonsault, so he goes for the TTD again, two count, and um, and then and then I, I'll let you finish off this match. Then, then what does what does Tenzan proceed to do from here? Well, he just uh, he just did it again. He just he gave him another one and. And then he, he finally pinned him, and it made it made total sense. You totally believed it. You could tell that he just had the whole the whole. He was that that little bit better than Kojima. He saves the honor of the company. The crowd goes friggin' wild. Like it, it was it was this match was absolutely awesome. Like really really booked well. The guys performed to the top level. The crowd was completely wound up. This to me almost. You know, when if you're someone that's training professional wrestlers and training guys about wrestling and how to deal with a lot of the really important aspects of a good match, I think they should watch this match. The the building the story through physical actions and and doing less but getting so much more out of it emotionally and with that intenseness and it's just like it it really to me was a storybook match on how to to get. You know, I'm quite. I mean, of course, they had the the background story of Kojima as the rival coming back, but I still think they did such a great job themselves with their with the different moves and the way they brought it out and the way they built it up. And I just really think that anyone that wants to be um, a good pro wrestler, it would not hurt you to watch this match and observe some of the things that happened. Yeah, I just want to make a quick note about the finish. So he does the the TTD, but. The previous versions of it, he's landing on his knees. This one, he does a sit-out. <laughs> That's true. He sat down with him, right? He dropped him almost right on his head. Yeah, and, it was crazy. And, like I, I, I was like, holy shit, I think he killed him. And I'm not the only one, because if you look outside, you'll see Prince Devitt, Yuji Nagata, <laughs> and especially Jushin Thunder Liger. Watch Liger's reaction. He pops out. He pops out. <laughs> and the look on his face, he thinks, oh, my God, Tenzan just murdered Kojima legit in this ring. <laughs> no. like, it's that's true. a highlight that, for me, you know, that, that, that reaction. I, I, I did, I missed that. I'll have to go back and check that out. But uh, I agree, the, that last one where he sits down, yeah, unbelievable. And you knew that was the end. Like, that's, okay, that's it. He's not getting up from that. And it ended in the exact place. Like I, like I was saying earlier, I sometimes think NXT ones go on too long. They stretch that believability. That, to me, made perfect sense that the match ended at that time after that move. I, You're totally like, yep, that's it. He's beat him. Yeah, definitely. You'll, so these guys are seconding uh, Tenzan because they're all the New Japan guys. But definitely keep an eye on... Like, I went back and watched this several times, just the reaction from, <laughs> from Prince Devitt, who's now known as Finn Balor, of course, from Nagata, but especially Jushin Liker. It's like one of the top three moments of this match, actually. That's awesome. Jushin I, will, I, will, I will definitely go back and check that out. That's funny. I missed that. But so, yeah... A great uh, and a, a great finish to the the tournament, right? And like, and yeah, definitely a great. If that's the final time that Tenzan wins it, then it was an excellent excellent win. I, this match actually reminded me a bit of Tenzan's uh, other big match in the G One Finals against Junakiyama. Like the way, like you're saying, the build it's it's very much done in a in an all Japan style, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would agree with that. Yep, definitely. Yep. Like you're 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 talking about the build, the build, the build. Like you know, like like we were saying before, the crowd's not like sustained. Like you know, excited no. for this. They're, no, no, it's they're they're building the crowd as they go. Like they they did an excellent match. Like you said, they started off with the kind of test the strength stuff, and they did a little bit of mat stuff and that. Like they really built the intensity, and they were they really managed to hook the crowd in just the right way that as their match built, the crowd's involvement and emotional engagement increased at the same pace. Like, that, again, that's why I think people that want to know, especially for the psychology of wrestling in front of a live crowd, this is a great, this would be a great match to watch. And, and definitely working, like if, you, if you're if you a young wrestler working a, a main event style, 
like in the main event of a show like this is something that you can definitely look i wouldn't put this like in the middle of a card this no 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 that's true very much it was definitely main it, it was the main event there was no doubt about that for sure so yeah, as we said, uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzon wins the G1 in 2006 in a match time of 27 minutes and 36 seconds. And I, I gotta say, the first half of the match, I was feeling the time a little, but then once we get to that closing stretch, Dan, I was like, oh my god, oh my god! With I, I actually didn't want the match to end, but when it did, <laughs> I was like, okay, it's done, it's done. Selfish. Yeah, selfish. I'm very selfish. Yeah, but you That's know, I was funny. like, once once Tenzan like murders Kojima with the the sit out TTT, I was like, okay, he's done. Yeah, get exactly. Him, get him some medical attention. Get him. Yeah, some get care. out the get out the ice spray. Get out the ice spray on his neck there. Uh, I, I, I that's funny that you say that. You know what? Uh, I I never thought about the time the entire time. I was totally wrapped up in it. I also though I kind of knew what they were doing. I kind of knew from the way they started doing a lot of the test of strength kind of stuff and the match stuff. I thought, okay, they're going to go fairly long here. They're going to build this up. And uh, yeah, they, I, I, I never once thought, you know, it's too long, it's too short, but like you, when he did the sit, the sit down uh, Tenzan tombstone driver there, it's like, yep, that's it. You're done. Pin them. We're out of here. So as a reward for winning uh, the G1, uh, Tenzan would challenge the uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, who would be Hiroshi Tanahashi at this time, uh, to challenge for that title. But unfortunately, uh, he was uh, he was sent back to the to the back without the belt because Tanahashi beat him. This was kind of like you know the start of Tanahashi's ascent into his, the yeah, that's right his rides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if people want to see that match, it's it was held on October 9th of two thousand and six. So we're at the the end of the, the the wrestling portion of the of the G1 climax match review itself. Dan, what are your final thoughts about this this particular match? Well, j- just like I said, it's just to me, it's just such a great textbook match uh, for anyone that wants to get into pro wrestling. You should check it out. And of course, I mean anyone that's a, a fan. You know, if you're an old school fan, you would love this. If you're just a if you're a modern New Japan fan and have only been watching, say, in the last three or four years. Uh, with the rise of Omega and the Bucks and that, you you should definitely go back. This match is on New Japan World. You just do a search for Kojima versus Tenzan and you'll find it. And um, yeah, it just just fan. It's just you know what can I say? It's it's a fantastic match, and uh, I I recommend it to anyone. And um, uh, I don't know how many stars Dave Meltzer gave it that year, but it gets four stars for me for sure. It was it was just absolutely a great emotional match, and I love the way that it's physical, but not in a crazy way, much like you know what we just saw with um, uh, Ibushi and uh, Naito there at the Dominion show, right? Where we had it just got a little, it just took it a little bit to the other side there. So it's a, it's a it's um. It's a thin line between going too far and not, right? So uh, I just thought, I just love the way that guys like Kojima and Tenzan, you know, again, they're kind of of that older mold. They know how to, to do, to get what they need out of the people with, without, uh, without, going, without going crazy. And I, I think that's, you know, sometimes it's a thin line between the two. That's the way I'll put it, I guess. Well, just to, if, just to sit your curiosity, Dan, like uh, Dave Meltzer gave it a four and a quarter. On, okay. Uh, on the Wrestling Observer news in the okay. Wrestling Observer newsletter, but I mean, what does that mean anymore? Dave's broken his own scale, you know. Well, that yeah, and it's yeah, I mean, and, and it's tough too because different eras, different matches, different styles, different approaches. You really, it's hard to say this match was a four star in 1975, and this was a match that was a four star in 19 or 2005. And it's like, well, but they're completely different things. You know, it's, 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 it's tough. I guess I'm saying that I, I'm trying to give it enough stars that people will go out of their way to watch it. That's my bottom line. It's not really about the rating to me. It's about go out, check this match, a great match from the past and two guys, you know, that were never, the huge top stars of new japan certainly they were a great tag team and they were always near the top but they were never top guys like chono or mudo and and uh they just did they were they're like those guys that were always there you could always count on them 
Uh, you could you separate them once in a while and put them in title matches. And like, they're just, just really good, solid performers that kind of never let you down when you saw them in a match. I always feel like, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, like a couple of years ago, like Goto and Shibata could have been like these guys. The way they uh, look, yes. You know, and I, I think that's interesting. Interesting comparison. I yeah, think- I, and I, and, and a team I really loved too. I loved when Goto and Shibata had Goto and Shibata had that run as a tag team. I thought that was fantastic. And and more recently, even Sonata, I felt had a lot yes. of Kojima yes. comes on vibes to, to their team and the way they were booked. Yeah. As well. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I could kind of, I kind of see that. I don't know if um, Evil is at quite the level of those two guys, but uh, Sonata is turning into an awesome performer. I'm, I'm liking Sonata more than more and more every time I see him. Well, I, I think Evil and Sonata like now are Tenzan and Kojima in 2000. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. When, the, when those guys are rising up the ranks as a team, I, right. I, I I like Sonata. I'm a big fan of Sonata, but I do think, despite the stupid name, like Evil will <laughs> get to the top. I think Evil is going to get to the top sooner than Sonata. That's yeah. My, that's oh my really? Guess. Yeah. Oh. Because oh. he's a New Japan guy. He like Sonata's yeah. like, and he's like he's imported from all Japan. Yeah. Right. You know. Right. And, and Russell One and TNA. Whereas you know, Evil is a, a New Japan dojo guy. He's from their system, I think they see a lot in him. I'm yeah. thinking like the once Evil gets rid of the name, and, and I think it could be like you know like Keiji Muto, Great Muda. That's what. Oh, you think he'll have like two two different personalities or something? That's what I'm hoping. Like I think he goes mm. back to his real name, right, he, to become a main event player. But when he needs to you know fight someone and he needs that extra edge, he becomes Evil again. Like he's Evil. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would, I mean, yeah, look at, I mean, it worked so great for Mudo for years, right? Yeah. So, so that um, brings, yeah, and so that brings us to the end of that portion of the show, Dan. But we're not done. We're not done. We got okay, trivia. All right. I had oh, some trivia. Oh, jeez. So, like, don't feel bad. Like, most of the guests, most of the co hosts don't do that well on the trivia. I stole this idea from, from John and Way. And, okay. and John did not perform well, if you go back to listen to the first episode. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, we're going to take a look at uh, three questions about um, pop culture. Uh, what is the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart in August of 2006? Jeez. Oh, yeah. You're asking the wrong guy. You're asking for the guy that's still trying to find some weird psychedelic band from the 60s like the overcoat truffle marshmallow band or something um it's a canadian 2000, artist 2006 it's, it's a canadian uh, artist a canadian oh. female artist oh alanis morissette uh no the the, oh. the other one like 2006 was pretty much her year i think she's from toronto too alanis Mor- oh, not 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 alanis morissette it's not no no um Oh, Tori Amos. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm lost, man. I don't, no. I don't know what's at the top of the oh. Billboard charts. Okay, okay. So I guess it, it's a, it's a song called "Promiscuous" by uh, Nelly Furtado. Oh, Nelly uh, Furtado. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Featuring uh, her producer Timbaland. I, I won't ask you the number one album. It's I don't even know who this person is. It's it's an album called Latoya by Latoya. Uh, what do you think? It's is not Latoya Jackson. Not no. Like that's Latoya. This is L E. Oh. Toya, La, oh, so oh. I think like Latoya, Latoya Jackson is like that way, and then this is okay. Latoya La Jackson, if okay, you're using a French accent, kind of, but I think they're yeah, completely different people. Uh, wh- okay, let's talk about a movie. What's the number one movie in August of two thousand and six? Oh man, and all that stuff is just such a blur for me. Uh... Okay, I'll give you a clue. It's a, it's a, it's a Will Ferrell movie. Oh. 2006 Talladega Nights. Yes, it's Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Very yeah, good guess yep. there. His his NASCAR movie. Well, there you go. There you that go. was totally just a guess. Let's let's take talk about wrestling trivia. So Hiroshi Tanahashi is the IWGP Heavyweight Champion at this time. Who is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion? He's still an active wrestler in the junior division in New Japan to this day. He's, and what year? What year is this? This is 2006, August of 2006. Oh, this is 2006 too. Okay, all right. Who's the junior champion? Hmm. 
I don't know. Was it Liger? It's not Liger. It, so this guy was in the Best of the Super Juniors this year. He main evented a lot of the shows. Oh, he was in the... Uh, he, 2006. He, he likes to use his ass a lot. Oh, really? Oh, um, what's his name? The Funky Weapon. Yeah, Ryusuke Taguchi. Yeah, Taguchi, right. Really? Okay, okay, cool. Uh, Who are the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions at this time? And probably your first guess will be correct, Dan. IWP Junior at in 2006? Hmm. I I don't know. I mean, it's not the young bucks or anything like that. It's too early, right? Yes, it's too early for that. Uh, who was the team who held the, those titles all the time before the young bucks? Oh yeah, who was it? Uh, one's the Booker Man now. Oh, is it Jado and Gato? Yes, it's a uh, Jado and Gato. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Tag champs there. Uh, let's move to Pro Wrestling Noah, one of your favorite companies. Yes. Mm. Uh, GHC heavyweight champion in August of two thousand and six. Oh, it's not Shio or something, is it? No, uh, it's someone just... who migrated from all Japan. Oh, someone that went with him from all Japan, two thousand six. It's not Kobashi, is it? It's he's done. Not Kobashi. No, it's 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 his protege. That his protege from all Japan. Oh, Akiyama. Yes, Gene Akiyama. Akiyama. Okay, all right. Uh, who I is, get it after ten after ten clues. I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're almost done. Triple Crown champion from all Japan Pro wrestling. In two thousand six. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll give you a clue. Yeah. He yeah. he was in all Japan, uh, you know, in the nineties. He he was one of the few who didn't go with Masawa and company. It's and it's not Kawada. Well, there was only one other guy, wasn't there? No, there's... I thought Mas- I thought Masafuchi was the only other guy that didn't well, go. Uh, no, there's there's two, like there's three in total, like Kawada, Masa- Masafuchi, who's not the triple crown champion, by the way, and this guy. He's kind of the... not Tawe. Not not Tawei, no. Oh, yeah. You know what? I don't. Know. I'm drawing a blank. It's okay. I, can't, I thought it was. I thought it was just the two of them that stayed behind. No, it would be also Taiokea. Oh right, Taiokea. Right. Okay. So, um, at that time, he was Manuka Mossman, and then when right Mossman, right? Yeah, and then when that's the, right. The exodus happened. He changed his name to Taiokea to sound kind of right. more Japanese. And, right. and final final trivia question here, Dan: Who is the WWE? champion in august of 2006 it's not the world heavyweight title but the the actual wwf wb title uh, i'm gonna guess john cena uh it's a canadian oh Six. from from ontario oh edge it's edge yes edge yeah okay i can't believe that the only one i got right without any help was the freaking Will Ferrell movie. That's pretty sad. Uh, to be fair, if you did this trivia to me, I would not guess. <laughs> you, I would, yeah, you don't uh, think you'd do as good? No, no. no I, I, I know these answers because I wrote this fucking thing. So, you know, so don't, don't feel bad. Dan, most, I think, like, there's only been one guest, I can't remember who, who's, like, you know, gotten most of the trivia correct. So, so please don't feel bad. But it's so hard when you've watched so much through I the know. years, right? You know? know, and it's funny. It's funny too that a lot of the things that really stick with you are sometimes from earlier in in your your wrestling watching career because I think those are the things that were so strong and hooked you in to begin with that you always remember those. But yeah, you know, I have trouble remembering who the champion was two months ago. Never mind you know 10 years ago it's it's crazy it is crazy and and there's so much wrestling that you and i have have consumed in our in our lives yeah, especially you exactly. more than me so it, it, well think think about that exactly it's a it's a hell of a lot it is so we're at the end of the show dan thank you so much for joining me on this episode and please tell us where we can find more dan the mouth Levransky. Well, as, as I mentioned, I'm doing the stuff on Sunday night's main event with Jason Agnew. You can check out our Facebook page. It's uh, SNME Radio. 
on Facebook. Uh, I also have my own little YouTube series. I don't know if you've checked any of these out. I have. W-A- but I ha- I do this thing called Slipped Through the Cracks because I'm a my other big passion besides wrestling is music. And I love to do these just simple kind of basic videos on, on records or artists that I feel deserve more attention and never really got the attention when they were prominent and things like that. I just put a new one up uh, last weekend uh, about Rocky Erickson, who died at the end of May. He was in the psychedelic band, the 13th Floor Elevators, and he had his own solo career as well. And a very influential character on me uh, when I was younger, establishing my music taste. So uh, it's just kind of stuff like that. They're lots of fun. Um, I have to tell you this, WH, you'll get a kick out of this. I did, there's an uh, album by the Osmonds, believe it or not, the Osmond Brothers. They did a concept album called The Plan, which is about the Mormon religion. And I did a video piece on it and put it up there. And somehow it got to Marie Osmond and she posted it on her Facebook page. And then all of a sudden, all these crazed Osmond fans were all checking out the video. Like it's my most watched video of all of them. The one that did Osmonds. Yeah, I I thought that was... I'm totally going to go back after we're finished here. I'm going to go watch that. But I've seen some of your videos on on that channel. It's it's, it's really fun because your your taste in music is, is... Pretty different from mine, but I appreciate that because right. I want to find out more music that's out of my wheelhouse. But what is the the, the URL for that channel, Dan? Oh, you know what? It's just Dr. I, I believe if you go on Facebook and just, uh, I think it's just facebook.com slash Dr. Mouth, like D-R-M-O-U-T-H. And it should take you to the channel. And if not, just do a search for Dr. Mouth and it, it should come up. There's about... There's about 40 or 50 videos on there now, I think. Uh, so, yeah, doing lots of those. And if you're in the Toronto area, my surf band, uh, the Cliff Divers, we play shows every once in a while. We just played the Great Lakes Surf Battle um, a few weeks ago. Uh, so that's cool. We have a page on Facebook as well, the Cliff Divers. It's old school surf music, all instrumental. Uh, I play the drums in that band. So that's a lot of fun. And... Um, and the Patreon that you, yeah, and then, and, oh yeah, right, and then and then of course as part of Sunday night's main event, we have our own Patreon problem and one of the bone or program and one of the bonus shows that you can listen to is one that I'm doing about AEW. We're just calling it AEW Weekly, and it's hosted by Joe Aguinaldo and myself, and we are we are affectionately calling ourselves the old fucks. Um, <laughs> a- AEW AEW has the young bucks. We are the old Fox. And it's because Joe and I are both older wrestling fans. Uh, we're guys that have been watching ever since we were children. And we uh, have both have strong opinions on what we like and don't like in wrestling. And AEW is exciting both of us for the first time in a long time. Uh, so we're having a really good time uh, just covering it that. And we're doing a show usually once a week. It usually ends up being posted, I think, on the Patreon on Thursdays. And we're cover all the news, uh, preview the upcoming shows. Like next week's show, we'll do a preview show before a uh, Fighter Fest. And uh, yeah, just giving out our thoughts and ideas and how we think and what do we think is going to happen because it's really great to see something new come up that has a different spin that kind of wants to please the other side of the wrestling audience and deep down, I think, wants to be competitive with Vince. I'm I'm all for that. I could I think it's about time for a good wrestling war, don't you think, WH? I think so. I'm I'm not. It's not my thing, AEW per se. Uh, like I'm not a I'm a I'm a fan of some of the people in that company, but like anything led by the elite has no interest for me, to be quite honest. But I want them to succeed because I don't want the the, the wrestling business to be monopolized by Vince McMahon and his brood of money grubbing you know people like you know like shane his brood of faceless zombies it's a just it's a roster of faceless zombies they all look the same they all act the same they all have to read the same scripted promo it's terrible at least with AEW, and you can't argue this they offer you options and i can bet you wh even if you're not a fan of the elite and other things that Almost every AEW show, and perhaps even their weekly weekly TV once they get off the ground, you will find something that you will like because they're covering all the bases. They're, they're they have comedy, they have serious wrestling, they have lucha, they have Japanese stiff style, they have Joshi and stuff like that. And it's like 
I I just think that they they're going to offer something more for everybody. Whereas Vince to me is just the same old stuff week in week out. I'm not, you know, everybody's so excited about the Bray Wyatt revamp. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> because I mean, the vignettes are fun, but what does they, what does it really mean? And once he gets in the ring, is it going to stick? Like, I just feel it's going to flop again. So uh, AEW to me uh, just is, um, I'm trying to be the optimistic one here. And I just feel that it's, uh, as Owen Hart used to say, enough is enough. It's time for a change. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping like at some point, you know, when I make my, you know, my permanent return to Toronto, I don't know when that is, but I'm going to come to your house. We're going to watch some AEW. And I just want to hear you once just once in during a show, an AW show, say, "What the fuck?" The classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you'd have better chance. Could you make it for stomping grounds this weekend? Because uh, you're going to hear a lot in that one. But uh, um, no, yeah, I... no, it would it would it would happen even on an AW show. I'm sure. You know, you I, know, I could see it happening. Can I just say, like that? That is such a signature call. I associate with you so much. But like when I see something that that I that just perplexes me or just makes me angry. I like, I'm being serious here. Like I hear your voice saying, what <laughs> well, that's hilarious. You, yeah, you've well, been ingrained into my wrestling psyche, Dan. So and thank you for that, so by the way. Funny. That's so funny. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, with, with, with that, we'll wrap up this edition of Curl Summer. This has been uh, 2006 episode 16 thanks once again to Dan the Mouth Vransky for joining me I'm so happy to have talked with him uh, and uh, thanks to all the listeners who've been downloading the show from postwrestling.com thanks for all the feedback I've been getting it really means a lot to me and uh, yeah I'll talk to everyone on the next episode bye <laughs>